Well, I want to jump into it. Today, I want to show you one of the finest examples in the Bible of devotion. Uh, It's found in the life of Mary, not Mary, the mother of Jesus, but Mary, uh, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Mary became a friend of Jesus. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus became really close friends with Jesus. If you remember last week's message where we talked about when Jesus rose or, or, or resurrected Lazarus from the grave, how, how the, the, the relationship was so important between Mary, Martha, and Jesus and Lazarus and how critical that was. If you wasn't here, you didn't hear that message, please go back and listen to it. I thought it was, it was a great word. The preaching was okay, but it was a great word. Um, but there's this dynamic in their relationship, and they were really close But how many of you know you don't always just start close? I mean, some of us have friends like we hit it off right away and we're like, we're best friends for life in in one or two sit downs, right? That that occasionally happens, but the the most common experience is that over time, we build relationship and then some point if we get to a place in a relationship where we don't like certain things about the other person, we'll tend to excuse ourselves or distance ourselves or not continue to proceed in that relationship. Because there's something there that I'm just not sure of or something there that I'm insecure about or there's something there that's reminding me of a past hurt or pain. And so I'm going to just excuse myself from this relationship and I'm not going to go any further with it. But Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were dear friends to Jesus. I shared last week how it showed up in their request the message that they sent to Jesus when their brother was literally dying. It wasn't a freak out moment. It wasn't a panicked message. It wasn't paragraphs. It was a one-liner. When you've got intimate relationship with somebody, you don't always have to say a whole lot because sometimes a one-liner means more than 12 paragraphs or chapters. Come on, somebody. But Mary was a friend of Jesus, and I want you to hear this today as simply as possible. Jesus is inviting you into the same relationship. Yes, you. Let me unpack this for a minute because some of you don't believe that. Some of you think that Jesus is still holding your past against you. You think that Jesus is still uh, scared of you, or you, you think that Jesus is still mad at you, and so you, you come to a certain place with Jesus, and you stop because you don't believe that you can go any further with Jesus, and so there's something that's stopping your relationship with him. And let me encourage you, because I know this is true for many of us this morning, just because something stops you from going deeper with Jesus, don't settle there. Refuse to settle there because Jesus is inviting you into friendship. It's deeper than membership. Come on. It's way deeper than membership. It's friendship. So Jesus is inviting you into the same relationship that Mary has with him. Can you say amen? So the title of today's message is Fully Devoted fully devoted. The main focus is devotion. And I want to give you a definition of devotion. I simplified it as much as possible, but this is basically the definition of devotion. It means to extremely love or extremely be loyal to someone. 
You cannot remove extreme from it because devotion goes beyond just general love and general loyalty. Devotion says, I'm extremely in love with you. I'm extremely loyal to you. Devotion is more. Come on. I'm devoted in an extreme way, if that can make any sense. So I want to show you three moments for Mary where she got the chance to show her devotion to Jesus. You might want to write this down. Devotion is shown better than it's heard. Or you could say it this way, devotion is seen better than it's heard. Our devotion is shown more than it's said. So number one, Mary sat at Jesus' feet and learned. She sat at his feet and she learned. You're going to discover here in the next couple of minutes that there was something about Jesus' feet that Mary realized was very important. Number one, Mary sat at Jesus' feet and she learned. She sat and learned. She sat and learned. Too many of us are driving on the highway trying to listen to a podcast and learn. Mary sat. There's a deeper degree of learning when you sit on your bottom. I don't know if there's like, like, like a disconnect button in here or something, but like when you sit on your bottom, like your brain... Go with me to Luke chapter 10. We'll get to John in a minute. Don't freak out. I hadn't changed gospels on you. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, and as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said, oh, dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about, Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Hmm. Mary, in a moment, this is the beginning of their relationship. Mary, in a moment, I don't know if she stumbled into it. I don't know if she felt compelled to it. I got a feeling the Holy Spirit led her to it. But Mary, in a moment, discovers one of the secrets to intimacy with Jesus and it had to do with sitting and learning. Sitting and learning. Mary discovered a secret. The secret, if I, if I can give you the secret to the secret, you want that? Here's the secret to the secret. 
Mary humbled herself enough to sit still and listen to what Jesus had to say. Pride doesn't learn any way but the hard way. Humility learns the best way. Pride always learns the hard way. And some of us take pride in the fact that, well, I just, uh, you know, just kind of always learn the hard way. Well, that's really not saying a whole lot about you, bro. It's saying that you're prideful. What if the better way is to humble yourself and sit down and listen to what Jesus has to say? But to do that, you got to shut off what you have to say. You have to shut off what the world is saying. You got to shut off what your enemy is saying. You even got to shut off what your pain and discouragement and disappointment is saying. And listen, just listen. Mary quickly discovers what's important. Martha, on the other hand, was distracted. But she wasn't like bad. Like Martha didn't get in trouble. She wasn't doing anything wrong. Because you see, the enemy want to slip in right now and say, well, you see, that's why you shouldn't serve. That's why you shouldn't be doing things for Jesus because then you won't be able to sit with Jesus and then he'll get you out of serving, which there's so many benefits and blessings to serving. And I want you to notice that Jesus didn't rebuke Martha. He just, he just taught her that Mary discovered something that you haven't discovered yet. I appreciate you setting a table. I appreciate the rice and gravy. I appreciate the roast and with good garlic stuffed in it. I appreciate the bluebell in the freezer. But listen to me. Mary's found the secret. And that secret's not going to be taken from her. There's always a time to do, but there's always a time to sit also. And I got a feeling our congregation tends to get into doing more than we do to sitting. Oh, we do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Some for Jesus, but most of it for ourselves. I wonder how often we get so caught up in the doing that we forget about the sitting. Some of us are struggling big time spiritually. You're struggling to mature as a Christian because you're so busy doing things that won't mature you instead of sitting with the Father or sitting at the feet of Jesus, which is where you begin to mature some of you are struggling with your identity because you're, you're too busy in the world and you're not sitting with Jesus enough. And so the world's dictating who you are and Jesus doesn't get that chance to tell you who you are. I am the product, not that I'm anything special, but I am the product of sitting at the feet of Jesus like Mary did. We were talking last night about how, how, um, how can I say this in a good way? How... Um, my family's a little jacked up. Can I just say it that way? Like my family, it's just a little, whew, 
And the more we talked about it last night, the more I realized, man, God, you did a great work in me. Because you plugged me out of that. I should have been a, a, a duplication of that, but instead you plucked me out and you did something different in me. And it, it can only be because God has a plan for me, but also I have to submit and surrender to that plan. So I had to somewhere along the line say, hey, maybe I just need to sit with Jesus and let him identify me, teach me, train me, learn me, and not them. I firmly believe my marriage is still strong today because Jesus plucked me out and I learned to sit at his feet. It has nothing to do with me. I'm I'm not that good with relationships. I'm just going to tell you straight up. I'll mess them up in a heartbeat. But Jesus led me to this place where I'm married to my best friend. And that ain't just a cliche. For 25 years, dated for four. Took me a while to make up my mind. But when I make a decision, boy, let me take... But I wonder how many times and and in how many areas we're struggling because we just won't simply sit and learn from Jesus. I'm not talking about inspirational quotes from some inspirational Facebook page. That'll get you nowhere but confused. I'm talking about the scriptures. The scriptures. His inspiration. Not man's. You see, Mary quickly became familiar with the posture of devotion. Think about what Jesus said to Mary in that moment. He was talking to Martha, but think about what Mary heard in that moment. Mary is sitting. I'm a, just for my pants sake, I'm a, not sit on the floor, but she was probably sitting on the floor and she's sitting and Jesus is either sitting or standing and he's teaching and she's in this posture and she's like, she's just feeding on everything that he's saying. And then Martha comes in with her complaint and her whining. And Jesus turns to Martha And says, oh, Martha, you're worried about all these details, but Mary's discovered the gold. He was talking to Martha, but what did Mary hear? Mary heard in that moment, I'm doing something right. Oh, my God, I fell into right. I fell into something. I messed up and did good. What? Come on, some of us, right? It's like when Jesus says, oh, you've been good. You're like, for real? (laughs) Anyway. So think about what Mary heard. Mary got affirmed in that moment. Her posture was affirmed in that moment. The disciples saw an example while Jesus was talking to Martha. They saw Mary and they went, doing, sitting. Wow. Wow. I see this is what's really cool is that doing will never produce sitting, but sitting will always produce doing. (laughs) You heard that? Me too. (laughs) I don't even know if I can say it again. 
Doing will never produce sitting, but sitting will always produce doing. Because when you sit, something gets transformed inside of you. He changes the way you think. You stand up different than you sat down. And now you go because you're kingdom-minded and not me-minded. And now I'm going to advance his kingdom and not try to push mine so hard. (sighs) That was good. So Mary got familiar with the posture of devotion. You see, it's a posture. It's shown better than it's heard. Number two, it goes further. This was, to me, almost just the beginning. Mary discovers, "Uh uh-oh, I got the right posture. Number two, Mary fell at Jesus' feet and surrendered. She fell at his feet and surrendered. Let me build the story up a little bit. Mary had just lost her brother, Lazarus. Maybe two to four days earlier than this scripture I'm about to read. At two to four days of losing somebody, you're past the initial shock of the loss. You're now stepping into one of the phases of grief. And it gets, this is what grief does. It goes from a shock to getting deeper and deeper and deeper within you. And so the shock wears off if you've got close relationships, you'll start, to, um, you'll start to unpack that with somebody, process it as the pain settles in. How many of you know grief doesn't always go away tomorrow? I've, I've asked Jesus to take grief away, and he didn't. And I had to come to this conclusion that he's more than enough for me to walk with this grief. So if he left me with the grief and he's not taking it from me, then that means that he has something for me in it. So don't be mad at the grief. But Mary at this moment is in one of those levels of grieving where it's starting to settle into her. She's, she's already processed it, processed it out with her sister because, and it shows in the scriptures because her sister said the same thing that she said when they both met Jesus at separate times. They both recited the same phrase. If only you would have been here, my brother would not have died. They must have talked. They must have processed with one another. You know, if, if Jesus would have just been here, like our brother would be alive and we wouldn't, our world wouldn't be upside down and I wouldn't be hurting so bad and I wouldn't be walking in this disappointment and, and discouragement creeping on my back and like the, everything would just be normal if only Jesus would have been here. So they processed it out with each other, which is a great thing to do. John 11, verse 32, says this. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, Jesus calls for her. Jesus didn't go all the way to the house. He stayed outside. Martha came and met him. They had a moment. Jesus said, go get Mary. So Martha goes, says, Jesus wants you. Watch this. Jesus is calling for you. Mary didn't stand there stubbornly. Mary didn't resist Jesus in her grief. 
Ah, you ain't hear what I'm saying. Mary, Mary didn't build up a wall against Jesus. Mary didn't get offended because Jesus didn't do what I said he should have did when I said he should have did it. When Jesus called Mary in her disappointment, she still came to Jesus. I'm sorry you're disappointed. I'm sorry you're discouraged. I'm sorry you're grieving. But don't stay isolated. When Jesus calls, you better get up and come because he's got something for you. So Jesus calls. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, watch this. She fell, where? At his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you know that's one of the most faith-filled statements in the Bible? That even though her brother was dead in the grave starting the decomposition process, she still said, Jesus, if only you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. She still had faith in Jesus in her loss. Oh, my gosh. She still believed him when it didn't go the way she wanted it to go. She falls at his feet. Now remember just a point ago, she discovers in a moment where Jesus is talking to Martha that, oh my gosh, I'm doing something right by sitting at his feet. A bulb went off. Jesus, feet, good. Come on. Jesus got good feet. <laughs> Come on. I know we're not all feet people, but, but Jesus' feet equals good. She came to this conclusion, and in her grief, discouragement, precipice of pain, she comes to Jesus, and what does she do? She falls at his feet. If the posture worked the first time, it's going to work this time. That's what you call growing in your faith. If it worked last time, it's going to work this time. That's what Philippians 4, 6, and 7, the verse we use all the time around here, says that if you thank him for all that he's done, why does he want you to thank him? Does he need your gratitude? He likes it, but he don't needs it. Why does he want you to thank him for all that he's done? So that you will remember what he's done. So that your faith will be lit up for the moment you're currently in. So she falls at his feet with all of her disappointments and discouragement. With her pain, with her suffering, with her grief, with her failures with her shortcomings, with all her stuff. She just falls at his feet and she surrenders. I'm not sure if Mary would have fell at his feet this time if she didn't first learn to sit at his feet last time. If you're not sitting at his feet and learning, then when crisis hits your life, you're going to have a really hard time even coming to him, but much less falling at his feet. 
I don't know if she falls at his feet this time. She may, because she didn't sit and learn, she may sit in pride and arrogance and hurt and bitterness and struggle and say, what, what you want? You know, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's, the story could go a different direction. Right? Hmm. So why is it so hard for us Americans to surrender? I'm starting to see a progressive pattern. First she sits and learns then she falls and surrenders. I don't know if you even know where to fall and surrender if you've never sat and learned. Because if you never sit and learn, then you never know that that's a place of security that you can fall into. So Mary sat at his feet and she learned. Number two, Mary fell at his feet and she surrendered. Now we get to the third moment that Mary shows her devotion to Jesus. She learns her devotion in the first point. She discovers more about it in the second point. It was a risk for her to fall at his feet. She wasn't sure maybe of what he would have done. I don't know, maybe there was other moments we don't read about, but but she felt comfortable and secure enough to fall at his feet and surrender. That has to come from somewheres. Look at me. That doesn't just bubble up inside of you when you eat, eat frosted flakes. Like this just doesn't happen. Like you eat frosted flakes and now all of a sudden I'm devoted to Jesus and I trust him 100%. It don't happen like that. It's progressive. As you learn and you grow, he, he gives you or allows moments in your life for growth. And as you walk through those moments faithfully, you discover more and more bit by bit by bit that he's safe, he's secure, I can trust him, I can settle here. When I settle here, I come out better. Now I know that I can run here now. I want to go here now instead of resisting now. Is this making any sense? So you're not going to wake up tomorrow and feel fully devoted to Jesus. But let me promise you something. If you'll learn to sit and learn at his feet and stay there until he moves you into something else, you will continue to take bite by bite by bite by bite and you'll grow and you'll grow and you'll grow and you'll grow. Some of us don't like it because it's not McDonald's. It's not McDonald's. I can't get it in five minutes. I don't want it. There's no such thing as instant Jesus. Come on. Now that's funny and it's cute, but we get mad at McDonald's when I, I, I'll make it personal. I get mad at McDonald's when they don't have my sausage, egg, and cheese McMuffin ready in five minutes. Like in my opinion, you've done, you've done ruined me. Like when I order, my truck should never stop rolling. That's my opinion over McDonald's right now. Like, let's just hit it on the way. 
You can, you can beam my card over there and I'll pick it up on the other side with my, with my McMuffin. It's their fault. They spoiled me. But Jesus is not spoiling me that way. He going to make me sit. He going to make me get uncomfortable. He going to make me wait. <laughs> oh, because so much comes when you wait on Jesus. Number three, Mary anoints Jesus' feet and she honors him. We pick up the story in John chapter 12. Welcome to the gospel of John. John chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Six days before the Passover celebration begins. Let me give you some context. This is roughly six days, the beginning of six or seven days before Jesus is crucified. Okay? Now, theologians believe when he raised Lazarus from the grave, it could have been two to three months before the cross or the resurrection, either which one you want to look at. But this moment right now where Mary anoints his feet is six days before the Passover. Jesus dies during that time on the cross. He's crucified on the cross in that moment. So six days before the Passover celebration begins, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. Last time he was here, Lazarus didn't look so good. He stank. Come on, somebody. He just smelled bad. He was a little bloated. He's feeling a little gassy. <laughs> he had a rough four days. Just saying. But in an instant, Jesus called him out of the grave. Now he's alive again. I wonder what changed about Lazarus before he died to after he was risen from the grave. I'm just wondering. I can't wait to ask him. I'll see him one day, and we're going to talk about that while we're fishing in that pond in heaven in my backyard. So Jesus is back at Lazarus' home, which means this, that Lazarus continued to live. He didn't die when Jesus left his house after Jesus raised him from the grave. He continued to live. There's all kind of speculation about how long he lived. It doesn't matter. He lived. Amen? And he was there at this time when Jesus comes to his house. So Jesus arrived at Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he'd raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. <laughs> Shocker. Martha served. <laughs> like, come on, Martha. Like, I would like Martha. She sounds like a cook. I mean, come on, somebody. I bet she could make some good rolls with some butter. She done milked the cow. Anyway. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Now, where's Mary? Mary don't like to serve, it seems like. Huh. Like, Martha's always just like, Martha served. Mary sat. What's wrong with Mary? Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with Jesus. I can't imagine, I just, I got to stop for a second. Like, I can't imagine. I'm trying to imagine what it was like for Lazarus to sit there and eat dinner with Jesus who just rescued him from death. I bet he saw Jesus different than he'd ever seen him before. I bet he sat there and just went, 
alive because of him. I'm free to the grave clothes because of him. And now I get to eat dinner with him. Can you imagine what it must be like to be Lazarus? You should. Because my friends, you were spiritually dead until Jesus died on a cross and you gave your life to him and then he brought you into spiritual life. You should sit at dinner with Jesus and sit in awe and wonder because he raised you to life. You're not spiritually dead anymore. You've been given life. So it's not that we have to be physically dead to have this kind of awe and wonder for Jesus. I was spiritually dead. That's worse than physically dead. He's he's just sitting there eating with Jesus. It reminds me of what Revelation says in 320. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open the door, I will sit with him and I will dine with him. Jesus likes food. Yes. I thought we had something in common. But he likes to sit with us. I'm going to say this real, I'm going to say this real slow because it's got to get through something this morning. Jesus wants to sit with you. He wants to sit with you. Yes, you. So Martha served, Lazarus was eaten. Where's Mary? Verse three, Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. I have no idea what that means. And she anointed Jesus's feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. What was Mary doing while Martha was cooking and cleaning and serving and prepping? What was Mary doing? What was Mary doing? We pick up the story where Mary first meets Jesus and she sat and learned. The relationship grows and she goes through one of the most traumatic times in her life. And now she discovers I can fall at his feet in my pain and my disappointment. And I can surrender to him. And now the story goes Jesus is six days before the cross and Mary's off doing something. Martha, by this moment, probably goes, well, Jesus is just going to take her side anyway. And she comes out with this jar of oil. It was worth a year's wages. How much do you make a year? It was worth a year's wages. It's equivalent to one pound of oil. One pound. Like 
So when I, when, when I, every Sunday morning, we, the worship team goes to my office and the prayer team goes to my office, because I don't know if you know this, but they, our prayer team walks the whole property before you even get here this morning, in the mornings, and, and they, they, just, they just pray and intercede for all of us. And so every, just about every Sunday morning, I, I pull out my little oil, my little pocket oil. Come on, somebody. This ain't no pound. But I, I pull this my anointing oil. I pull out this oil and I anoint everybody on the worship team. And, and I hit Virginia a little too hard this morning. It was starting to run down her face. She was like, and it's funny. And Lisa, most common, gets shocked when I say, because she's shocking. She has a shocking personality. But, but anyway, and so, so like, like I pull out my oil and I anoint everybody's heads. And we, we pray for a while and we, we, we call in the presence of Jesus. We surrender to him. We magnify his name. All this happens every Sunday morning. And, and I pull out my little oil. If I don't got mine, Gerald got one even smaller than this. It's like, it's like a fragment of this. It, it's on his keychain. I'm like, bro. But hey, he's packing. And so, so Mary, Mary comes out with a pound of oil. What you going to do with all that oil, girl? I bet Martha was thinking, you ain't about to cook nothing up. You're not done clean the kitchen up. Everything's all settled where it's supposed to be. You ain't about to cook nothing with that oil. Girl, you better put it all up. She walks in. With a pound of oil. She walks straight up to Jesus. And once again, she finds herself at Jesus' feet. But this time's different than the first time. The first time, she sat and learned. The next time we read about, she fell and surrendered. There's something different about Mary this time. She knows something's about to happen. Because you see, it was prophesied that Jesus would be anointed for death. He would be anointed for the cross. He would be anointed for that moment. And somebody somewhere needed to anoint him for that moment. Well, shocker, it was Mary. The one who learned the value of sitting at his feet. Now she's not sitting and learning. Now she's not falling and surrendering because she's going through a crisis. Now she's anointing and honoring Jesus. Every believer's life should go from sitting and learning to anointing and honoring Jesus. It's called progress. It's called maturity. It's called growing in Christ. You should go from sitting and learning, not that we ever stop sitting and learning, but you should start with sitting and learning and it should progress to anointing and honoring Jesus. There should be moments where we get on our feet no matter who you are. I don't care if you're Billy Graham. You can't ever get away from Jesus' feet. You're never too good to anoint his feet. Because the minute you think you're too good, you're in trouble. Mary comes with her pound of oil and she pours it on his feet and she lets down her hair. This is all important. I'm going slow with it because it's important. She lets down her hair and she wipes his feet I mean, she made a mess. It's a pound of oil, y'all. 
she wipes it with her hair. I don't know what everybody else was thinking. I bet it was one of those awkward moments though. But from my experience, when it's a spiritual awkward moment, if you're mature enough, you go, oh, this is legit. Like this is a moment. You pay attention. You see, typically in their tradition, when a guest would come over, they would wash their feet. They would wash their feet with water. And it was because they all wore sandals. Not closed toe sandals. Like everybody knew your business. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you ain't hiding nothing. And you're dusty. There wasn't no paved roads. There wasn't no concrete. It was dusty. And you walk into somebody's house and they always had a basin of water next to the door with a towel. And the, the, the homeowner, to honor the guests, would go and, and bow low and wash their guests' feet. Now, occasionally, they would pull out a little bit of oil and they would take that oil and they would put it on their head so that the guests would come into the house smelling a certain way so that they would feel welcomed, they would feel clean, the feet were washed, the head was anointed with a drop. It says a drop of oil would be put on their head. And it was really fragrant oil. But Mary breaks protocol. Number one, she doesn't use water. Number two, Jesus is already in the house. His feet were probably already washed with water. She comes into the moment where Lazarus is sitting there, dining with Jesus. She comes into that moment. She doesn't even have a towel. Nobody knows what she's about to do. She bows low at his feet. She pours a pound of oil, and she lets down her hair. Now, that was important. Because in those days, Jewish women never let their hair down in public. It was, it was disgraceful. It was dishonoring to them and their family if they let their hair down in public. In private, it was okay, but in public, you never let your hair down because it was dishonoring. It was disrespectful to her and her family. Now, why is that important? If you're going to anoint Jesus' feet and you're going to honor him with your life, you're going to have to let your hair down. You're going to have to be a little less respected in how you think you need, need to be respected. You may need to dishonor yourself some. Come on. Like you need to come off of your own platform and take a lower place of honor because Jesus deserves that platform, not you. So you need to posture yourself in the lowest place possible. The lowest thing you could do on planet earth in those days was to wash somebody's feet. The lowest. There was no job, no task lower than washing another man or woman's foot. Can I tell you, my friends, that's devotion. And this ain't her first day with Jesus. They're good friends by now. 
And just because you're good friends with Jesus doesn't mean that you don't ever need to get low. You see, we don't graduate from Jesus. She let her hair down. What's interesting is is that Matthew spent 33% of his time in his gospel. Mark spent 40% of his time. Luke spent 25% of the time in his gospel. But John spent over half of his book focusing on the last week of Jesus. John goes over 50% of the gospel of John, of his writings, spending time on the last seven days of Jesus' life. This is where Jesus' public ministry stops and his private ministry begins. It all was triggered by the anointing that Mary had put on his feet. When Mary anointed Jesus' feet, it was a shifting, it was a turning, it was a changing of events. He went from public ministry to private ministry. You're going to discover over the next couple of weeks, we're going to dig into Jesus' private ministry. This is important. We'll spend the last chapter of the book on the resurrection and the cross and all those things. What Mary does in this moment is profound. Catch this. Mary was a friend, but the disciples were disciples. Ain't none of them anointed his feet. You know what I'm trying to tell you? You don't need a title to serve Jesus. You get to be a friend and serve Jesus. She took the lowest place in the room and she worshiped Jesus. So she first started with sitting and learning, then she learned how to fall at his feet and surrender, and then she came one day and bowed to his feet and honored him. Let me give you 10 ways to show your devotion to Jesus. Get ready to write. 10 ways to show your devotion to Jesus because it's better shown than heard or said. Here it is. Number one, sit at his feet. How do I do that, Pastor? It is not complicated at all. I'm going to just tell you, it's not. This is not like a deep biblical truth. What you do is, is you, you find your place. We all have a place. And you bend your knees. And you put your bottom on something. And you stay there. But, 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 I got to I I I I go do this. I got this on my calendar. I got this on my schedule. I got this on it. Well, which one do you want? Your schedule or you want Jesus? Just sit. Well, what do I say? What do I do? I don't know. Just sit. It didn't say Mary said anything. She just sat. And she learned. I would have my Bible. I would have some blank paper and a pen. Get ready to write something. And I would sit and say, Jesus, I'm here. It's good to be here. 
Step one, sit. Number two, learn from him. Learn from him. Learn from him. Stop learning from the world. Learn from him. Stop learning from YouTube. Learn from him. Stop even learning from only other pastors. Learn from him. He will use a pastor and he will speak through a preacher and he will do those things. But my friends, you're not Catholic anymore. You can hear Jesus for yourself. Number three, once you've sat at his feet and learned and you're learning from him, apply his instructions. Simply said, do what he says. Just do it. Apply his instructions. Number four, grow in faith. How do we do that? Pastor, I've been straining and my faith ain't growing. Well, I would argue with you. Your faith is probably growing, but it's not because you're straining. You grow more when you surrender and do what he says. That's when you grow. So if you're disobedient, you're not growing. You're hardening. Grow in faith. Number five, live surrendered. Like, how do we do that? How do I live surrendered? I got to surrender multiple times in a day. It's not a once and done. I mean, it's a great hymn, I surrender all. But the second verse should have said, but sometimes I'll pick it back up. Right? Live surrendered. I'm not good at surrendering. Start where you are. When you get back up and you pick your stuff back up, lay it back down again. Number six, depend on him. If people would rely on Jesus like they rely on the government, oh my goodness, what would we see in America today Depend on him. Well, how do I depend on him? Go to him first. It's like when you got a good hairstylist, go to them first. Don't try to save a few dollars by jacking it up yourself. And then you got to go to them for a rescue. And they're like, what am I, Jesus? Go to him first. Depend on him. Number seven, Give generously. Just like I shared this morning during tithes and offerings. Jesus, when he fed the 5,000, he sent them out with 12 baskets. They came back with 12 baskets. That's pretty cool, but that's pretty generous. Amen? Jesus is not just enough. He's more than enough. Number eight, serve him. How do I do that, pastor? Well, it starts by saying, is there anything I can do for you? When you go out to eat, what does the waiter or waitress do? What can I get for you today? If they're a good waiter 
or waitress. If they just walk up to your table and they stand there and they don't say anything, leave. <laughs> it's not going to be a good experience. But if they ask you, what can I do for you? They're starting off right. <laughs> so how do we do that? Lord, what can I do for you today? Now, he's not going to get you to go build a wall around Eunice and he's not going to get you to march around Walmart. And the first time you ask him that, he's not going to do that to you. He's going to start small. Number nine, allow him to use you. Because some of us are gangster. We say, Lord, can I do something for you today? Nope. Okay. Come on. Tell me I'm lying. Allow him to use you. Number 10, remain close to him. One of the One of the ways the fear of the Lord is shown is by not ever wanting there to be more space and distance than there is now between me and Jesus. The fear of the Lord is like, I don't want to be away. I'm I'm afraid to be away from you. I'm afraid for there to be too much distance between us. Does that make sense? When my kids were small, we would, we would walk out in maybe a, a, a festival or something or maybe at the mall. We didn't go to the mall very often, but we'd walk places that were crowded. And, and anytime they got nervous or a little anxious, they would step in close. What did they have? They had a fear of being away from mom and dad, right? Now, when they had a bobo, they went to mama. When they were scared... Papa Bear. Come on, somebody. Daddy? (laughs) The fear of the Lord is is being afraid to be away from him, which which means this, that I'm responsible to stay close. The shepherd calls the sheep, but the sheep have to choose whether or not they come close or not. If you saw my, my rewind video a couple weeks ago, I tried, I made a fool out of myself. I tried to, I preached about my cows all that, that Sunday and, and I said, you know, Tuesday morning, I'm like, oh, this would be really cool. Surely my cows will do right. I went out there with my videotape, with my videotape, listen to me, with my phone. <laughs> Old school. And I held it up and I'm going, yo, yo, I'm screaming and hollering to my cow. Them dang cows ain't coming for nothing. I'm like, that's so messed up. Y'all let me down. I talked about y'all all Sunday. Y'all let me down. I went back the next day. The shepherd calls. The sheep decide to come or not. Which then you can make this statement that gets qualified. You're as close to Jesus as you want to be. You're not waiting on him. He's already calling you. Come on, worship team. Mary shows us what devotion looks like. 
I know with our American minds and our American machoism and our American masculinity and our American mindset that we can have an issue with a phrase like sitting at Jesus's feet. I don't care if you rephrase it just as long as you do it. You want to macho it up, macho it up, just do it. The more you do it, the sooner that you'll get to a day where you're like, I don't care if it's macho or not. I sit at the feet of Jesus. I weep before Jesus. I cry my eyes out to Jesus. I sing songs to Jesus. I dance through my house to Jesus. I do all these things because I'm not ashamed of Jesus. He don't need me to be macho. He just wants me to be present. Amen? So let's pray. really feel like I need to as a good shepherd stand against something for you today I just really want to make sure that this this stronghold is broken today it's the stronghold that tells you not you that's for everybody else but you. It's the stronghold that says, not your people, not people with your past, not people with your issues, not people with your sin. I can get more specific, not people with your anger, not not people like you who have unforgiveness, not people like you that are mean and abrasive. Not people like you that are broken and beat down. He's here for everybody else in the room except me. That stronghold breaks right now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke it in the mighty name of Jesus. is how God loved the world. The world. That means all of us. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world like the enemy's trying to tell you he's doing to you but to save the world through him, like the Holy Ghost is telling you right now. So I rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. You must leave now in Jesus' name. The truth has just broken you into pieces over every one of us here today. Jesus desires to be an intimate relationship with all of us. individually, at times corporately, he desires to be in intimate relationship with all of us. And he's inviting us into that today. He's still knocking on that door. Will you
open your heart to me. I want to come in. I want to sit with you and I want to die with you. So with your heads bowed this morning, your eyes closed. Just for the moment's sake. say, yippee, I'm coming in. to 
say this with me and say, come in. You're welcome here. Now, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this message. Thank you for your word. It's so beautiful. It's so rich. God, we just, it's a great privilege to be able to teach your word. It's a great privilege to be able to learn from your word. valuable than gold. gives us life and godliness.